You are listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Good morning, and welcome to First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Your presence in this shared space we create each week so enriches our community. Here we are all welcome, wherever we are on the journey, and we are free to be who we are, to love who we love, and to explore faith and belief at our own pace. Today we continue our fall series in Evolving God, Evolving World, Evolving Purpose, as Reverend Laura invites us to consider an evolving God. So then let us open our whole selves to this time as we hear these words. Last week, as we began our series on an evolving God, an evolving world, and evolving purpose, we began with portions of the spiritual biography the Benedictine nun Joan Chittister has written. Her story is about an evolving spirituality. Her story is a process of deconstruction and a process of reconstruction. And her story is one of the three elements we will be in conversation with over these next weeks as we explore our individual and communal evolution. The other two partners in this trinity are the artist Georgia O'Keeffe and the James Webb Telescope. These three elements, along with passages from the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament, are the foundations of our journey. As we said last week, this journey will be personal for each of us as we go through our own process of evolution. This journey will also be communal. We will not be alone in this evolving process. Rather, we will be surrounded by people who are right here with us in this sacred space, whether we are here in person or online or listening later to the podcast. I will admit I have been so excited about this series that until the last few days, I hadn't really considered the inherent risks of this type of series. Our staff would tell you I can be risk adverse, but only occasionally. And of course, when I stop and realize where I am, I am reminded of how fortunate we are. This is a church that is becoming more comfortable with living on the edge of faith. We continue to push the envelope through our liturgy, our music, and our messages. It is our desire to be a place where we can all find a home, whether we have a great deal of faith a little faith, absolutely no faith, or are of another faith. In these days, we live in the liminal space at the intersection of faith and scholarship and justice and equity. And so, of course, First Church is talking about an evolving God, an evolving world, and an evolving person, purpose. And we are in conversation with an artist, a nun, and a telescope. How could it be any better? I often think of those brave individuals thousands of years ago who stood outside at night and wondered what was beyond all we could see. 
I wonder how they lived their lives day in and day out, pushing the boundaries and going against the flow while they searched for the holy mystery. Over these next few weeks, we are delving into places that ask us who God is and who we are, places where faith, hope, and love are more important than status, wealth, or power. This series, by its very nature, is going to serve as a spiritual tonic for some of you, and it's going to push the religious comfort zone of more of you. We are being asked to stretch and expand our views as we look beyond what we may know and what we may believe. And by the time we're finished with this series, you are all going to be walking, talking advertisements for an evolving spirituality, or at least that's the hope. Our work over these next two weeks is to ask three questions. Where is God now? Who is God now? What does God want of me? I love the story from Exodus that Rich and Rob read for us. Moses had left Egypt in a hurry, in fact, running for his life after he murdered an Egyptian overseer who was beating a Hebrew who was enslaved. Sometime later, after he had gone from being that rich young ruler to a herder of sheep, the mystery of God showed up when Moses was in the middle of nowhere. And in that nowhere, Moses saw a bush that was being burned without being consumed. In his prior life, he might not have noticed. In his prior life, when he was so full of himself and in a place and station in life where he did not want for anything, a burning bush might not have caught his attention. But from his current situation in life, where every day was the same. It was a sight to behold. And when he came closer to that bush, the divine mystery, Yahweh, called out to Moses from the midst of that burning bush. Yahweh called his name, and Moses wisely answered, I am here. God told Moses who God was, but Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. After God laid out the plan that required Moses to return to Egypt, the plan that required him to obtain an audience with the Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let the people go, Moses realized there was an entire group of people who also had agency in this plan. The Hebrew people had to accept Moses as their leader, follow Moses out of Egypt, and travel to a land he was to promise would be filled with milk and honey. Thank goodness that at that point, Moses did not know that trip was going to take 40 years. So Moses said to God, Who am I supposed to tell these people has sent me? I feel certain the Holy Mystery was not baffled by that question. For most of my life, I loved the answer God gave. God said, you tell them, I am who I am sent me. Now that was a rock-solid explanation, and it was a rock I could stand on. Imagine, then, the disequilibrium I experienced in my first semester of divinity school, 
My Hebrew professor said rather matter-of-factly, scholars today believe a more accurate translation of that text has God saying, I will be who I will be. What kind of wishy-washy rock was that? I started thinking, really, Moses would have been okay with that answer? I mean, Moses was trying to say to God, no disrespect intended, but who in the heck are you? I get this burning bush is a really cool thing, but exactly which God are you? Monotheism, the idea of one God, was not something Moses had learned in elementary school for royalty in Egypt. He had, after all, grown up as the son of a princess of Egypt. I spent two years at George Mason University with one of the world's greatest professors of ancient Egyptian history. I took every class that Dr. Burns offered. During that time, I learned that Egypt had one of the largest and most complex pantheons of gods of any civilization in the ancient world. Over the course of Egyptian history, hundreds of gods and goddesses were worshipped. Many scholars agree, though, that there were probably nine to eleven essential gods, still a lot of gods. And the main god at any given time was the favorite of the current pharaoh, and it changed with the regime. So with an understanding of that historical and social context, it becomes easy to see why Moses would essentially ask, which god are you? Moses kept asking that question throughout the entire Exodus narrative. Moses continually searched for who God was and for who he was. His world had been one of privilege and carefully constructed destiny. But Moses had his world and his beliefs deconstructed with one action that changed his life forever. Because of that change, Moses had cast his lot with the enslaved people who had an uncertain future. Unbeknownst to him, he would be leading the reconstruction of their story and the reconstruction of his own story. Searching for who God is and who we are go hand in hand. And when we encounter the God who is not static, the God who is evolving, what does that say about God? And what does it say about our journey? Today, like Moses, we are still asking questions as we write the story of our journeys. These stories are being written as we speak. These stories are ones that take the new cosmic realities that are evolving before our eyes seriously. At the same time, they invite us to be open to the holy presence we may or may not believe in and the ways in which this mystery is intimately involved with the new discoveries of the universe and with our lives. One writer has said, all creation carries within it a memory of the divine heart out of which it emerged. I feel as if we are being 
invited in these days to step into a great adventure. An adventure that will ask us to remember that our lives are not static. No matter what we've done or what we haven't done, we are evolving and we are in a place of change. When we know that God is not static, but more like a felt impulse, a dynamic yearning, something fired with a holy urgency that calls to us to inhabit life more deeply, to protect what matters more fiercely, to realize our unity in the midst of diversity, and to take our place as co-creators of the future with the holy mystery, the future that the holy mystery is dreaming and remembering. As we come to the table to share communion today, we will stand on holy ground. We are together. And as we come together, we bring to this holy ground our questions. All our questions, all our fears, all our hopes, and all our dreams. And at this table, we are not alone. We are together as we search for the mystery that has always been and always will be with us each step of the way. May it ever be so. Amen. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can join us for service each Sunday morning in person or on YouTube, or consider supporting First Church by making a tax-deductible gift at fccla.org slash give.